0: Imagine if every three urban barangays in the country sourced it directly from the farming community and delivers it as close as possible to urban households. Not only the ones who can use digital apps, but even those who don't have access to smartphones, so including the urban poor.
1: If you're online you've probably heard of these food community groups on Facebook or Viber. In fact, baka nga member ka pa neto. Basically, parang group chat siya na naglilink ng mga buyers sa mga nagbebenta ng pagkain or gulay online. But there's a catch. Kailangan mo ng internet. Nowadays, somehow agriculture is getting more attention because in the time we spend at home, we became more conscious of where our food comes from and how we get it. But before the COVID-19 pandemic, and for decades in fact, agriculture has not been doing so well. Philippine Statistics Authority data shows that in the past 20 years alone, agriculture increases by an average of 2% from the year 2000 to 2019. And because of this lockdown, agriculture posted a 1.2% decline in the first quarter of 2020. I'm Kat Ventura, and in this special series of Mua Podcast, we take the disruption brought by COVID-19 and all the time quarantine affords us to consider not just the new normal that awaits us, but the better normal that we might as well work for. In this Better Normal episode, we talk about the opportunities in agriculture with advocates Jerick Cruz and Majo Moiro.
0: Hi, my name is Jerick Cruz. I'm a lecturer in the Department of Economics of the Ateneo Manila University.
2: Hello everyone, my name is Marjorie Moirong. Like Jerick, I teach with the Economics Department of Ateneo.
0: One of the most promising areas for government to act on is really in the area of agriculture. So from the sector which has been most neglected over the past 30, 40 years, we used to have a strong agriculture sector until the 1970s. But then afterward, it really was neglected compared to all the other sectors. It turns out that agriculture could be the sector which has the most promise for getting us out of our current predicament.
1: I don't know if we have the same experience, but you know, um, some people who have access to internet who are on different Viber groups... They have these food contacts, and they're actually um, ways to get the produce directly from the farmers who are having a difficult time bringing it to the markets.
2: Uh, we'll all agree that we saw a rise in these different types of direct marketing schemes from different groups. Mostly, I guess, starting with people in the urban areas who has access to digital marketing, to e-commerce. It's not something that started only um, when this pandemic started. Uh, there are a lot of different groups. Uh, cooperative social enterprises who are already implementing these types of marketing schemes wherein they partner with a particular farming community in a province and they basically serve as the marketing arm of that group or that farm cooperative such that they're able to bring this produce this vegetable produce and other types of um. Farm products to consumers in urban areas. So, we have good examples from before, like we have Good Food, who's been doing this particular type of project, I think as early as, if I'm remembering correctly, 2012, 2011. They have partnered with farmers in Tarlac and also with Binget more recently. So, they're able to pull lowland vegetables and upland vegetables and using this idea that they call community shared agriculture. They are basically able to link the farmers, their partner farmers, to their subscribers here in Metro Manila.
0: Now we're seeing a lot of initiatives. There were, if I'm not mistaken, around 450 local governments across the country which procure directly from farmers for their food packs for all of their, their food supply needs. So that's something entirely new and we've never seen that before. The Department of Agriculture has also really been leading the charge in many respects. With its Kadiwa program, it's like what Madjo was saying, the food caravans, they have that. They also have an online app called eKadiwa. We need to keep in mind that my Malaking digital divide for living to Filipinas. And what does that look like? If you're taking a look at households which have access to the internet, only 55% of households in the Philippines have in good internet connection. So while the digital solutions which have emerged have great promise, if we want to really reach out to most Filipinos, as well as to most farmers who are usually among the poorest of the poor, we need to go beyond digital and we need to build on this entire wave of social innovations that have been building up in the past few years, but now they've really reached a critical point. Our proposal is basically this we're now seeing a wave of social entrepreneurship. We're now seeing a wave of inclusive fair trade enterprises emerging in so many urban areas across the country. The idea is that government should really support the emergence of all of this by giving dedicated support for all of these enterprises to emerge. Imagine if every three urban barangays in the country, we define an urban barangay by having a population of 5,000 or more. So for every 15,000 urban dwellers in the Philippines, there should be one of these fair trade enterprises, these direct marketing schemes, which source it directly from the farming community and delivers it as close as possible to urban households. Not only the the ones who can use digital apps, but even those who don't have access to smartphones, so including the urban poor. So that's what we want to be able to do. And how can government support this? What we find is that it's a very possible low-cost intervention. If government were only to provide capital support to these kind of initiatives, it can be NGOs, it can be social enterprises, it can be cooperatives, Give them a capital support package of between 250,000 to 500,000 pesos each, depending on how much people they're serving. And you could essentially create as much as 100,000 jobs by our calculations. You can support 1.6 to 1.9 million farmers. And you could benefit millions more urban consumers of food We want to find a way to maximize these new initiatives which are emerging and they can take a a whole variety of forms. Like imagine a homeowners association, the the residents decide to pool their capital together to form a direct marketing initiative from Sabinatin, from Marikina. Then they get directly from farmers in Rizal. So they buy directly from farmers. The farmers can get as much as 250% more in terms of farm gate prices. The consumers can get as much as fifty percent less in terms of how much they pay for particular vegetables and crops.
1: Okay, so two hundred and fifty thousand pesos will go to either an NGO or a homeowners association or any group, right? For these three barangays. What will they invest this money on?
0: So you have a basketball court, you convert part of it into a a market for the weekend. And the idea is that Usually, because these are good for the residents, usually these enterprises won't even have to pay rent for the weekend because it's a, it's a bonus for, for the residents themselves. One of those facilities on average would cost like 2 million pesos. And if you have one of those in every single barangay across the country, urban barangay across the country, it would cost around 20 billion pesos. This is only 8% of the hard the infrastructure investment requirement. So it's a really, really small amount. In fact, it's smaller than the fund which the Department of Agriculture has allocated for its Young Agripreneurs Program, which is 2 billion pesos. So for this small amount of sum, you can, to put it in perspective, like the Veggies for Good Enterprise, at 250 pesos capitalization, they employ 16 persons already.
1: Okay, Jerick, walk us through the math. 250,000 pesos to hire 16 persons. Where does that take us?
0: 16 persons, eight mothers who are basically displaced workers from urban poor communities, which pack and sort the vegetables and do clerical work, and eight delivery persons, which include displaced jeepney drivers, 16 for 250,000. So for 1 million, you'd have 1 million capitalization supporting four of these enterprises.
1: Right. So 250,000 times four is 1 million. So you have four enterprises that will each hire 16 people.
0: That would be around 64 persons. And spend it for 1 billion pesos, multiply those 64 persons by 1,000. That's 64,000 persons.
1: In short, your math shows that if government allotted a budget of 1 billion pesos for an enterprise worth just 250,000 pesos in investment at least, this will create jobs for 64,000 Filipinos whose lives were upended by this pandemic. So that's a hypothetical situation. But considering the number of barangays we have in the Philippines, How much money will be spent for this farm-to-barangay proposal
0: to work? Let's say the last census of the Philippines, which specifies which barangays are urban and rural, was in 2015. But if we try to project the trend going up to 2020, we can expect that there would be around more than 9,000 urban barangays in the country. You multiply that by 200,000 and you basically get around easily 1.9 billion. It's still less than 2 billion pesos. So to retrofit. It would be pretty a pretty low order of spending, but the the nice thing here is that as demand is built, eventually there might be more people using that, and if it reaches a critical threshold, then government can start thinking about creating permanent facilities for these kinds of markets.
1: So that's for hardware, meaning infrastructure, manpower. Pero pag naman natin ng software.
2: In other places, I guess in more rural areas. Yung mga farm cooperatives talaga yung N- NGOs, yung malalakas who are familiar with the issues, production constraints and marketing constraints. So, the thing is, um, iba-iba sila, but I guess in terms of software, what is common kasi sa kanila, what we are trying to also invest, kung invest ka sa farmer's market. But at the same time, by giving this fund to, to the group, you're also investing them, you're also basically encouraging them to invest in social capital, diba? So, the good thing about that is that the social capital that we've in the agricultural sector may template a template. And that particular template involves the fact that we are the marketing arm, which could be the social enterprise nga or a cooperative
0: When we're talking about this software, the going for social entrepreneurs, solidarity entrepreneurs, cooperatives, businesses which link farmers directly to consumers, we don't mean that this should not be complemented by infrastructure investment. In fact, to solve the problems of food distribution in the Philippines, we do need to invest in infrastructure. But the challenge is that the amount that we need to solve our logistics problems are extremely massive. And they dwarf the figures that she mentioned by several orders of magnitude. We would need 555 billion pesos in, in spending to be able to solve most of the logistics problems on the hardware side. But we do believe having that 1.6 billion peso fund for building the software that will eventually use this hardware would be the most prudent place for government to start. <music>
1: Okay, now let's talk about the government's role in all of this. Let's assume our economic managers or the Department of Agriculture was able to allocate the 1.6 billion budget for your farmers market proposal. What comes next?
0: Kailangan my solidarity, entrepreneurship. Why does it need to be entrepreneurial? Because you need an actor which has the knowledge, which has the know-how, which has the connections, and is willing to take the initiative to solve all these problems at the local level. Shempre, we can try to approach this as a dole out. And for example, you can try to have government, either the national government or the local government, try to procure as much food directly from farmers. But in terms of creating an enterprise that's able to generate revenues that can sustain this activity in the long term, by itself. You need an entrepreneur to be able to do that. We can really find a way to transform our food distribution system and in in the process find ways to engage labor, displace labor from the COVID pandemic. We can also make agriculture much more viable for more people to come in because farmers will get more for their products. So it's really a win-win-win solution for as many people as possible. One story which is emerging from the rice tarification law, a very positive story about this kind of solidarity and entrepreneurship, is in Isabella, they established a super cooperative. And the super cooperative is grown from 59 farmers to several thousand rice farmers all across Isabella province. They buy from the farmers at five pesos above the existing price in the market and then they sell to consumers at a smaller level. And yet, despite that, the cooperative is still viable and has been able to expand. In fact, they're investing now in a 170 million peso processing facility for rice in the span of just one year. And since the start of the pandemic, that same super cooperative has been the group supplying rice needs in Metro Manila for many local governments. I've known they provided rice to, to Makati, To passing. So, government should try to encourage people in other parts of the country doing similar things, getting produce from farmers directly, selling to consumers, and then providing them with more support, maybe even capital support, possibly even training support, and eventually infrastructure support as well.
1: Seguro local government officials listening to this podcast are probably thinking that's still 250,000 pesos. And it's not alone, as in one time, big time. 250K para sa isang kooperatiba or NGO. But you're saying may balik naman ito. LGUs will be able to earn from this. And it's through a process called equity capital. Jeric, can you explain this?
0: The nice thing with equity is that government becomes a part owner as well when it comes to this kind of enterprise. And as a part owner, it means that they can also receive a revenue stream from this particular enterprise. In the time of COVID, sobrang we are really, really hard up in terms of possible funds. What's nice about this is that this is really small in terms of how much you have to shell out. But eventually, given the amount of funds which are in shortage in government, this can possibly generate funds for government, which can finance other agriculture-related activities down the line.
1: We are nearly at the end of our podcast and I just wanted to go back to something you said at the beginning of our conversation. You said agriculture is one of the most promising areas for government to act on. Up until now, we've just been talking about creating farmers markets, right? Basically getting fresh produce on the table from areas that are under lockdown. But in your research, you said it doesn't end there. Kung baga, if anything isang lang ito ng bigas. Excuse the pun. Because the agriculture sector stands to have the largest job impact next to health and construction. How are you able to arrive at this conclusion?
0: What you do in input-output analysis, you see for one sector, what are the inputs that it provides to another sector in terms of outputs. So, sabihin natin from agriculture, anong mga inputs niya for industry? For industry, anong... Input for services, so on and so forth. And you can connect so many different possible data sets to it. So we were able to connect employment data sets to it. We were able to connect poverty data sets to it. But basically, what we generated there was as follows If we were to provide 1 billion pesos of investments into the, all the essential sectors, what are the sectors here that have the biggest job impacts?
2: Okay,
1: so in your study, you gave 1 billion pesos to healthcare, 1 billion pesos to build, 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 1 billion to trade, 1 billion to land transport, 1 billion to communication, and so on and so forth, right?
0: It turns out agricultural sectors, other crops, sugar, palai, corn, coconut, the impact that they have on jobs are the biggest among most of the sectors in general, really. At the start, we thought maybe these are this might not be realistic. Maybe it's more of the ranking that you want to look at. But when I did the analysis for this podcast, Kat, like, I went through veggies for good.
1: Right. So, Babalik dun sa 64,000 people who are directly employed in these farmers' markets. But, Majo, you're saying that's not all. Because this is not the only job that will be created.
2: So, it really boils down. Back to the idea of um, linkages, supply chains. So, if we inject funds, say, to vegetable production, kasi gusto i push yung back, backyard gardening. The thing is, sabi nga ni Jeric, hindi lang naman yung seeds ang kailangan nila. So, they have to buy fertilizers, they have to buy maybe pesticides or some other type of inputs for an integrated pest management of their backyard farm. This is opposed to other sectors like petroleum or logistics or chemicals, wherein even if they are high-value sectors, so the products, that the commodities that they produce are more expensive compared to what farmers produce. Hindi kalaki yung linkages because they're mostly automated and so... When we inject funds into them, pwedeng mataas yung contribution natin GDP, but in terms of job impacts, it won't be as big compared to what we saw in agriculture.
0: Now, what I also want to emphasize, why do we also need to look into agriculture? It's not simply because of food. It turns out that many sectors in agriculture, critical sila because they provide raw inputs, raw materials for critical COVID supplies. If you're looking at the Philippine abaca sector, we produce around 85% of the abaca in the world. What can abaca provide? The material that's used to make N95 masks, as well as personal protective equipment, so PPE when it comes to COVID. Another sector which could be very critical, if you're talking about the gloves, increasing our production of rubber could be another major sector, which I think they're, they're having a lot. past few months, we've been talking about the need for Bayanihan, for all of us, quote unquote, to heal us one in the middle of this pandemic. What we would like to see is for us as one country to have Bayan Anihan, meaning that we have Bayanihan and solidarity for the agriculture sector.
2: It's about really thinking about as a group of people, as a community, as a nation, what vision we want for ourselves.
1: Again, I'm Kat Ventura, host and producer of this Better Normal episode, a Puma Podcast production. This episode was edited by Nico Bolante. If you have ideas for a better normal, message us on our Facebook page, Puma Podcast PH. Also follow Puma Podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Maraming salamat po. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.